I don't know what it was. He's walking upright like a man. Sightings in and around Vermont. Bigfoot sightings across New England have been reported. Red glowing eyes, about seven feet tall. Red eyes, big old fangs, claws coming out through. Three inches long, you know, just sharp as they could be. There has been another UFO sighting flying over the Royal Botanic Gardens. There are 500 UFO sightings in the world every month. The truth is out there. Um, but yeah, so I talked about, we talked about it a little bit on the last episode. Yeah. Uh, when we were talking about my Instagram uh-huh. and my propensity for posting new uh, content mm-hmm. for vis-a-vis 3D printers. Yeah. Um, so you were there actually in person when I resurrected the my printer uh-huh. actually, um, which I'm playing with a box while talking. <laughs> um, so ever since I resurrected it, I've been just basically fiddling with it to try and get it going again. Yeah. And uh, printing is hard. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a there's a neck to it, yeah. It's one of those things that you can definitely lose. Oh yeah. Well, do you keep a notebook uh, for your printer? I I do, but yeah. I also uh, program a lot of my values into um, my slicing software. Okay. To track it, and I um, whenever I do a print, I write the settings on the bottom of it. Okay. So then that way I can have like a visible like tangible thing that says okay these are my print settings mm-hmm. this was when i did it yada 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 oh yeah um well, that's good practice but, i do the same deal where i have a notebook though i just write every like i'll write the part uh name print settings all the different yeah. stuff i did fill out you know just to track everything so if something comes up particularly good or bad i can yeah. uh you know go back to that i will say this mm-hmm. um my upgrade came in the mail Oh, right on. And I was probably going to work on it either today or tomorrow. Uh Uh-huh. It's kind of wild because, one, I have to drill some of the holes wider. Okay. uh, To accept a particular new bolt that they're using that's a little easier to work with. That shouldn't be too bad if they're existing holes to just open them up. No, no, that's not that bad at all. They gave me a drill bit and like a a chuck to hold the drill. Well, here's the question. Uh, Which part are you drilling into are you drilling to a solid piece or like a printed piece solid piece okay it's metal it's a it's one of the it's one of the uh i think it's steel part maybe okay i can't remember uh so oil i do have oil okay if if it's steel you you want to put a little bit of oil on it yeah yeah so but um but yeah no it's uh they also gave me some pet g filament as well okay um which smells terrible when it's printing when you say pet you mean you're talking pet not like pet okay gotcha pet um it smells terrible when it prints i believe it yeah it it was gross it took five hours to print the part yeah and because they i use their g-code settings Mm -hmm. because they sell the printer too yeah and they print all their parts on their printers Mm -hmm. and stuff like that it's it's uses the rep wrap philosophy and all that good stuff so yeah but I'm actually really excited about it because mm-hmm. the new parts make one of the processes of like fixing the hot end and like adjusting the hot end yeah way easier. Oh, right on! Like I'm so excited to install <laughs> it. 
but um yeah so i i'm still like super enamored with the dlp printers though yeah they Are you still uh, looking they at them look, i'm still looking at them they look so good the uh <laughs> uh the the any cubic photon uh-huh i mean i think it's a wanaho product uh-huh so it generally like i always get a little bit nervous with uh stuff that comes from like a purely chinese manufacturer right now mm -hmm. for a couple of reasons one of them being uh like especially uh like cell phones yeah i i'm, I'm super leery of it like if anything mm -hmm. interfaces with my network or i do anything that interfaces with the network on it or yeah. anything like that i always get a little bit leery just because i'm not sure if there's spyware in the firmware or anything like that, because yeah. there have been cases of that happening. So mm -hmm. it's, it's one of those things I get a little bit paranoid about, but I can't argue with your results. <laughs> so the question is uh -huh. whether my conspiratorial side wins or my, uh, uh, my, my passionate side wins. Mm -hmm. We'll see. Does it have oh, to inter interface with your network, or can you um, via SD card? Uh... It's SD. Okay. So, I, I just get nervous. That's mm -hmm. all. Cause, cause I I am a high anxiety individual. Yeah. So as a result, <laughs> anything that might trigger my anxiety triggers it good and nice. Oh so. yeah. But um, this is a long one. So oh, I sweet. think I'm gonna just throw into this one. Just dive right um, in, man. Yeah, I don't have a, I don't have a pun episode this week either. <laughs> so welcome to Cryptopedia. Uh, it's a paranormal podcast where we talk about paranormal stuff, usually cryptids. Mm -hmm. um, I'm John. I'm. <laughs> that was very awkward. I know. I know. It's usually a lot different. Uh, uh, I'm Brandon. Yeah. So we're real good at talking stuff. Yeah, we're so good at talking. Yeah, we've what is this episode twenty two now? You got it. We're almost at half a year doing this. Yeah, honestly, I don't know how we got past ten episodes. Yeah, usually, usually I stop caring about something that I'm working on mm -hmm. pretty quick in, and yeah. the fact that I'm still doing this is astonishing to me. So oh, yeah, but hey, uh, <laughs> so. This is our second part two episode that we got, and we're following that weird um, – that we're doing things a little bit differently than most podcasts because we do the alternating schedule. Because if we did it any other way, it would have to be a uh, every other week schedule. Mm -hmm. So imagine our podcast is two concurrent podcasts running side by side, <laughs> one hosted by yourself, myself, <laughs> and one hosted by yourself, Brandon, uh -huh. in which – this is the off week where John hosts the episodes, and then the on week is the episodes where Brandon posts them. <laughs> um, so really, this is episode 11 of John's Cryptopedia, and last episode <laughs> was episode 11 of Brandon's Cryptopedia, I assume. Yeah, um, that's a good way of thinking about it. Uh, that's the way I think about it yeah. when, I, when I handle the episodes, because mm -hmm. um, we definitely have a distinctive style for how we arrange the episodes. Oh, yeah. But we do have similar themes in our episodes, so it's mm -hmm. one of those things. Although I have yet to mention a Drake equation on my episode. Yeah. List. <laughs> um, but this was the first one, so hey, how about that? Yeah. So um, before we get in, I want to do a little bit of a recap on what I, I dubbed – Oh, boy. 
man, once I get going, you can't stop me. <laughs> once you pop, and you it, can't stop. It's uh-huh. like Pringles, I, buddy. Oh, man, I haven't had Pringles in, like, four years. Oh. And now you've just, you've just awoken my desire for reconstituted uh, potato mush. <laughs> it's good potato mush. It's good potato mush. The barbecue ones are my favorite, but the oh, pizza ones they? are pretty good. The pizza ones are pretty dope. The pizza ones are pretty good. The sour cream and onion ones are a little bit strange because they don't go mm-hmm. well with um, – they don't really pair well with, like, a dipping sauce. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think Pringles in general pair well with dipping sauces. No, I don't picture them as a dipping chip. No, yeah, they're not the a dipping chip. The original is always good. The original is good, but it always leaves me a little bit disappointed. I think I what? need the flavoring. Uh, okay. No, I, I I think I need the flavoring. You need them enhancements. Yeah, I, I'm so used to the enhancements at this point yeah. that if I have anything without the enhancements, barbecue's pretty good too. I don't know if I said that. Oh, you totally did. Okay, good. I just want to make sure. <laughs> Reinforce I it. Can't, I can't I can't emphasize enough how much I love the barbecue Pringles. <laughs> so this was about the Thunderbird, but now it's about Pringles. This is Pringle, Pringle talk. Pringles. Yeah. This is Pringle talk. Um okay. So uh two episodes ago mm-hmm. sounds about right. Uh Episode 20 of Cryptopedia, we covered what I considered the most infamous modern Thunderbird, which was the uh, the Tombstone Thunderbird. Um, in the story, it was, deci- it was described as a monstrous pterosaur-like creature the size of a 747. Uh, I've got a question for you real quick. So you said most infamous modern Thunderbird. To me, that implies that there are other Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds, I'm not, I'm not, so I'm not really familiar with, with the Thunderbird to begin with, but are yes. there other Thunderbirds? So, yes. Yes. In, so we're going to be, this episode's mainly going to cover the mythological Thunderbird. Okay. And there are at least four oh. in some stories. Okay. Uh, but the problem is modern Thunderbird sightings have kind of, it's kind of evolved into this thing where they talk about like, a big bird like an, an alien big bird okay is a thunderbird and i don't mean i guess that technically means now i'm thinking about hansen was big bird a thunderbird i think so i think so too i think it was a thunderbird that someone cut the wings off of under the hands Ugh. Ugh. yeah gross he he's waiting he's waiting he's biding his time to just destroy <laughs> sesame street yeah, and get his vengeance. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he 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 says, "I want to get back to Sesame Street." That's how he says it. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the tone. <laughs> Snuffleupagus is a uh, is a fever dream. That's <laughs> why his, his real name is Sniffleupagus. Sniffleupagus. Uh huh. Oh, I get it. Yep. <laughs> I got it. I got it. That was a dad joke. Oh yeah. You I just, had just... a discussion. I've uh, uh I'm re- I, I I know I'm not old, but I also know that something that's something an old person would say, but I had a discussion with my barber this morning about receding hairlines and I was like, mm-hmm. "Listen, once mine starts going, it's all coming off because like there are people who I like there are people who are saving something and you're like, "Look at it, you go, that's what are you what are you doing?" What the, what's it's not worth saving. 
it's it, like it's it's I know one person the top of their head looks like a hard boiled egg stuffed in the middle of big uh, 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 Chewbacca's butt cheeks. Mm. I know someone else who, who's like it was receding, so now it's, re- it's the hairline starts at the top of the crown, and then it was thinning, but then the thinning pattern stopped and, and started going from the left side. So now it's asymmetrical, and that's just a, as a part just of just get like, rid of it. Yeah, I'm, just get it, rid of it like, at just, that point. Just take it off. What are you trying to save, man? It, yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. not worth it. It's not worth it. Yeah, that. I mean, <sighs> that's why I've been getting baldies. Like in the in the back because I've been investigating investigating the shape of the back of my head to see if I could pull off my actual bald. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fact finding operation. It is a fact finding operation. I was talking to uh to to Antonio, my barber, and he, and he was going, "No, you've got a pretty like some people when you when you when you bald them, they uh he's talking about the typical." topography of head shape that you will find while barbering mm-hmm. because like that's as you, you have to get acquainted with someone's head basically yeah and uh uh we think we, we think i can pull it off we we think i have a a uh a normal shaped head that i could i, I, I could pull off bald without someone thinking i look weird as a bald guy I kind of like the fact that you're talking about your barber as though he's your like psychologist or doctor I mean, it's it's basically right up. I mean, like you're in the chair. He's got a straight razor, <laughs> but but you know, we just t- you know, it's barbering. You're just talking. It's just chatting. Talk about how your life's going. You know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not to derail you, <laughs> but um, let's the so the back to the, the tombstone thunderbird. Uh huh. Um, since its discovery or legend. It's shrunken size, and it's been rumored to have posthumous photos, and really is kind of the template for modern sightings. Well, you know what I'd really say? became of the Tombstone Thunderbird is they killed it and turned it into pizza sauce. Good. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a like, good thing. That that was a good thing for the world. That's a good joke, right? The Tombstone Pizza, like the Lunchables. Oh no, no, I got it. Okay, and I'm glad. I'm glad. Okay, for, I'm glad for what they've done. It's a good thing because uh-huh. that was the best part of the Pizza Lunchables. <laughs> it was. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. So, um, something I didn't cover in the last episode, mainly because most of the stories are actually, uh, kind of boring. Yeah. Uh, because most of the stories are literally. I saw a big bird in the air. It probably had, it was probably 20 feet wide. That's all of them. Um, which, you know, I, here's the thing. If someone were to find a bird that had wingspan of 20 feet tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. Give, mm-hmm. That's a type specimen. Yeah. But because we haven't found that in like, uh, what was it? The albatross was the like closest thing to what they described. Yeah. Eh, I don't know. But in the last episode, um, sorry, uh, one of the modern Thunderbirds that does exist now, mm-hmm. uh, well, one of the most infamous like stories from like the past couple decades, mm-hmm. um, it has a trend of kidnapping children. Ah, I gotcha. Okay. So there was there was a noteworthy example uh, in which a ten year old boy in Lawndale, Illinois, was like picked up by two mm-hmm. giant birds. Okay. In 1977, according to the legend. 
Well, you know, they, uh, what else? I mean, it pulls up in the van right next to you and it's like, Hey, come on, kid. I got some Jolly Ranchers back here. And then you just see the door open. That's what do you, you got to get in. Just saying that's what I mean, happens. Hey, as long as they have grape. As long as they have grape. Here's a, a fun fact. I don't like Jolly Ranchers. I don't know how, I don't know what to think anymore. <laughs> I don't know what to think anymore. I don't have any words for you. That's, that's, I can't do it. Oh, man. I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm stopping the recording. It's over. <laughs> this is the second episode in which we've nearly ended the podcast over mm-hmm. something stupid. <laughs> um, but there was a description for these birds. Okay. Um, it had a white ring around its half foot long neck. The rest of its body was very black. The bird's bill was six inches in length and hooked at the end. The claws on the feet were arranged with three in the front and one in the back. Each wing, less the body, was four feet at the very least. The entire length of the bird's body, from beak to tail feather, was approximately four and one half feet. Okay. So, I don't know why this is called a Thunderbird. But yeah. I found more than one like, on more than one occasion this was referred to as a Thunderbird. Okay. Um so it's a little bit strange, but it's kind of like how most of the stories about Thunderbirds kidnapping people go is mm-hmm. it'll pick a kid up for a little bit and then like deposit them somewhere or something along those lines. Yeah, I'm doubtful or of this will... description because I have I got my cats a bird feeder. And there are now birds all the time out my front window. But I could not describe them in this sort of detail. Yeah, I, I'm always flabbergasted by how well people describe animals. Yeah. And they just see them. And I'm just like, I think the dog was 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 brown? Was it, it a dog? white. I don't know if it was a dog. It might have been a large cat. Maybe it was a goat. Maybe it was Carl. It might have been Carl. Although to be fair, Carl the goat, uh, he's he's indescribable. <laughs> he transcends all the all proper description, and he exists in all points in time. Mm-hmm. So, it probably wasn't Carl. So it's a goat with human hands. It is a goat with human hands. We didn't mention that on the last episode when we talked about Carl. Mm-hmm. He is a goat with human hands, with uh, vertical slit eyes, and stands on two feet. Yeah. So, um. Neither the the Tombstone Thunderbird nor the Lawndale Thunderbird is in any way, shape, or form representative of the mythological Thunderbird. No, no, it's not. Yeah, um, that's kind of the core focus of this episode, is talking about the mythological Thunderbird. Because here's the thing, Mm -hmm. it exists in the oral traditions of a number of Native American tribes. Like... I found references to it in uh, Pacific Northwestern uh, uh-huh. totem poles, so like in Vancouver, yeah, and areas like that. The the thunder, the the thunder from down under, the thunder from down under. <laughs> it's a different uh, kind of bird we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. Uh, their their totem poles frequently depict <laughs> thunderbirds. What did I do? <laughs> you talked about the totem poles of the thunder from down under. Yeah. You know what the They're thunder pretty... from down under is, right? I'm pretty sure I do. Maybe I don't. Okay. It's. Uh... I, I'm like 90% sure I know what the thunder from down under is. Oh, so I guess I didn't know what the thunder <laughs> from down under was. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's like a Chippendales or Magic Mike. 
Yeah. Man, that is making me feel extremely self-conscious of my own body. <laughs> I'm what you would call doughy. Yeah, imagine me as a boiled dumpling. <laughs> is that describing you or how you would look as uh, a Thunder from Down Under boy? Oh, no, sorry. Imagine me as a boiled dumpling in a, in a uh, Speedo. <laughs> with the, okay with a beard yeah that sounds about right yeah i feel sick now <laughs> <laughs> uh, mainly because i'm imagining myself uh-huh and i have i have some body positivity <laughs> issues i just pictured you okay picture this yep it's a dark room very very like it's lit with like the wall plug-in night lights there's mm-hmm. a stage you're on the stage you're dancing but here's the thing. You're not dancing to dance. You're dancing because it's the only way they would let you on stage to talk about Beast Wars. So you're up there going, doing, doing like, a te- like, like half-heartedly dancing. And you're like, I do Well, it. now you see about the AllSpark. <laughs> uh, excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> the AllSpark does not make an appearance in Beast Wars. <laughs> see? okay they uh, focused the the all spark is more replaced by the matrix mm-hmm. um as a philosophical entity in beast wars excuse mm-hmm. me um <laughs> now vector if you want to talk about vector sigma and beast machines let's talk about vector sigma <laughs> i think you should do a bonus be uh, uh beast wars and transformers like a uh like a podcast j- just for jackalopes where you talk about it oh, but in the same way you talked about the uh the 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 ufo uh air battle that <laughs> the episode we're just like going on like that about it that'd be fantastic listen megatron did nothing wrong megatron did nothing wrong except genocide i mean there's that's just a little thing, he though. wiped out multiple planets i mean a- anywho he was a he was a purple dinosaur uh, well that was one incarnation but Let's 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 move on to the Thunderbird because I have so much content. Okay. Oh wow! Minutes. I just scrolled down. I can't wait for you to uh, go ahead and <laughs> go ahead and pronounce that. Oh yeah, it's gonna be good. Yeah. So let me get back to what I was saying before. Um, before we went off on that tangent. So in the uh, Pacific Northwest, the Thunderbird makes appearances in totem poles. If you've seen a totem pole from the Pacific Northwest, you've probably seen the. Mm-hmm. is what i'm gonna say in the show notes uh, i never the, connected the... what that was there's a picture he linked in the show notes i never actually connected those dots that that's what that was yeah it's um on the wikipedia article for thunderbird it's like literally uh, an image of a thunderbird to- on, on a totem pole it, it's basically just the bird that's sitting on the top of the totem pole yeah i always thought that was um, a bald eagle no it's it's you generally the thunderbird okay so um, it's also in the Legends of the Plains tribes and the Yaqui people who are, uh, generally located in Mexico, South, mm-hmm. uh, Western America. Um, and it's extremely prominent in the artwork of the Diné from the last episode and the episode two before that, I think. Mostly that was the part one of Skinwalkers. Mostly the part one of Skinwalkers. <laughs> um, in most tales, the Thunderbird is a symbol of change. Uh-huh. And it's largely intangible. Okay. Right? So it's not... It's generally a spiritual being than anything else. Mm-hmm. But we'll get into that a little bit more. So... Uh-huh. 
I'm going to try to pronounce this name. Yeah, go for it. There's a lot of um there's a lot of sh- of 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 symbols over the letters that I'm not sure what they do. And there's also extensions on the bottoms of one of the letters, and I'm not sure what that does. Yeah, I have no idea how to pronounce this. I tried to find something on it, so I'm going to we're going to we're going to Iceland this one. <laughs> um, so the Brulee Sioux, uh-huh. um, they're one of the seven branches of the Teton Lakota people. Mm-hmm. Um, Brulee Sioux comes from the French word for burnt. Okay. Now, I do want to say this isn't as bad as Navajo versus Diné uh-huh. because it's a literal transliteration of their Lakota name, Lakotan name, which is. Shichangu Oyate. Nope, that's right. You nailed it. I'm never pronouncing that again <laughs> because that means burnt thighs nation. Oh, so, you know, sometimes in college. <laughs> yeah, I, hey, listen, I know. I've been there. Um, but because this is like a literal transliteration, I'm going to be using Brulee mm-hmm. Um It's because they like sliding down banisters. That's true. Yeah. That's how it is. <laughs> Listen, you get you get a good banister, yeah. I'll slide down that. Yeah, you can't resist. You can't resist, especially if it's been waxed recently. Oof. Oh. Um, so the Brulee Sioux refer to the Thunderbird as Wakinyan Tanaka, um, which means literally Great Thunderbird. Oh, okay. Um, an account of the Thunderbird was recounted by a Sioux medicine man, John Fire Lame Deer oh. in 1969. Like, I want to know um, where his his nickname Fire came from because yeah. that's dope. Yeah, no, he's um, the first DJ. Fire. Yeah, ah. you're like this is lit. So, um, this is a like a direct quote from his account, which was uh, collected in 1969. Just as a quick heads up. Um, so, Wakinya Tanaka, the Great Thunderbird, lives in his teepee on top of a mountain in the sacred Pahasapa, the Black Hills. The whites call it Harney Peak, but I don't think he lives there anymore since the Waishuku, the whites, have made these hills into a vast Disneyland. No, I think the thunder beings have retreated to the far, farthest end of the earth, where the sun goes down, where there are no tourists or hot dog stands. <laughs> the Wakinya hates all that is dirty. He loves what is clean and pure. His voice is the great thunderclap in the small rolling thunders that follow his booming shouts are the cries of his children, the little thunderbirds. <laughs> so already there's a lot of thunderbirds in their yeah. myth. Um, but and they hate hot dogs. They hate hot dogs, which I can understand. I like hot dogs, but I can understand someone hating them. Everyone likes a nice tube to meat every once in a while. Yeah, but I can also understand why you might hate tube meat. I mean... It might have been a personal issue with the the great um, Baron Oscar Meyer um, that caused him to leave, but I don't know. I kind of I kind of like hot dogs. Um, regardless, I, the language used in this description mm-hmm. super duper doesn't sound like it's meant to be taken literally. I'll be the judge of that. Uh, I I I mean absolutely clear metaphor is being used like obvious metaphor like his booming sharp his his voice is the great thunderclap uh-huh i mean that's that's like definitely definitely metaphor 
Okay. We'll see. Uh, but ultimately, he has an extensive use of metaphor, and he's got some pretty good roasts. Does he? That's he, pretty well, dope. Well, I mean, the fact that he's he's calling these hills into a vast Disneyland. Oh, that's true. That's a straight-up roast. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. I felt burnt after that. <laughs> so, he goes on to say that there are four large old Thunderbirds. The great Wakinyan of the West is the first and the mm. foremost among them. He is clothed in clouds. His body has no form, but he has a giant four-jointed wings. He has no feet, but enormous claws. He has no head, but a huge sharp beak with rows of pointed teeth. So I'm picturing... I apologize for not knowing the name of this Pokemon, but the blue Pokemon with the uh, cloud body, the bird. Uh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. It's Swablu. And oh, yeah. It's Evolve Form. It's the Evolve Form of Swablu. Yeah, the Evolve Form is Altaria. Yes! That's yes. that's what I'm picturing when I hear that. I think, yeah. But, I mean, right there, super duper, the fact that it's so contradictory. Mm-hmm. It would be disingenuous to assume that it's a real physical entity because it's he's describing an impossible creature. By definition, he's describing an impossible feature, creature mm-hmm. because it has no feet, but it has enormous claws. It has no head, but it has a huge beak. No body, but it's got four jointed wings. Like, I mean, the fact of the matter is he's naming something. He's saying that it doesn't have something. And then he's saying something that is required for you to have that. Maybe different components of the creature exist in different dimensions, and we just can't perceive those okay. parts. But what we can perceive are those parts that make up uh, the clouds and the thunderclaps. Okay. All right. I mean, if you want to go a completely pseudoscience hypothesis on this, you can. That's I would never do me. such a thing. <sighs> All right. So the, the great Thunderbird's color is black. The second Thunderbird of the north is red. The third Thunderbird of the east is yellow. The fourth Thunderbird of the south is white. Though, there are some who say that its colors are blue. That one has no eyes or ears, yet it can see and hear. How can that be is a mystery. Um, So, I really like his storytelling style. Yeah. A lot. Because it's just like this effortless metaphor where they just mm-hmm. he just seamlessly blends from uh mm-hmm. literal to metaphor literal to metaphor and he yeah. leaves it in such a way that it's like actually like really compelling the mm-hmm. way that like just listening to his speech like his pattern of speech and the manner in which he speaks about it i think he just likes riddles uh he might you know or... what else you know what you know what else he wrote what when is a door not a door what I don't know the answer to this one. When it's a jar? Oh, that's a pun. You just made a pun. You made a bat. That's that's gross. I feel <laughs> gross. What what is becoming of you? What has become of you? When did you turn into a dad? When did you get dad puns? <laughs> I feel like oh. you you've been going down this deep dark road of dad punnery. Yeah, it's ever since I got toxoplasmosis, it's been going downhill. Well, that's that's fair. Yeah. I, I mean, that's that's pretty much owning a cat. Yeah, <laughs> it's all downhill. You you get that kitten. Oh, it's so cute, and then you just lose it. Oh yeah, you slowly lose it. It's just what happens. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I think that these contradictory elements reinforce my initial assessment that 
this version of the Thunderbird is literally meant to be taken as a spiritual entity, right? It's a figurative sense of this is a creature that exists, mm-hmm. but it's spiritual. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's not a physical creature. You don't see it in real life. It's a spiritual entity. Because mm-hmm. if we continue with what Lame Deer was saying, from time to time, a holy man catches a glimpse of the Wakinya in his dreams, but only a part of it. No one ever sees the Thunderbird whole, not even in a vision. So the way we think a Thunderbird looks is pieced together from many dreams and visions. Thunderbirds stand for rain and fire and the truth. And as I said before, they like to help the people. In, cra- in contrast, the Umteki, the great water monster, did not like human beings from the time they were put on this earth. Umteki was shaped like a giant scaly snake with feet. She had a huge horn coming out of the top of her head, and she lit- she filled the whole of the Missouri River from end to end. The little water monster, who lived in the smaller streams and lakes, likewise had no use for humans. I think there's a lot of cool stuff in Native American folklore. A lot of cool stuff. Yeah. So, um, like, I, I was re- I found out about this, about Lame Duck, through a Committee for Skeptical Inquiry article. Yeah. Which was where a lot of this, a lot of my initial research was based out of that article. Mm-hmm. And then I've kind of, like, as I was looking into stuff, I would follow down a path and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but in that article, they detail, like, um, that the Thunderbird would protect humanity from the Umteki by mm-hmm. putting an end to her and her offsprings, which would flood the water. What? So like there was a there was a battle between the Thunderbird and this snake with legs. That's right? dope. <clears throat> but because of that, this paints the 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 Thunderbird, at least the Thunderbird of the Brule Sioux, as a um, more godlike entity. Right? Yeah. It's it's more of like a part of their almost quasi creation myth, mm-hmm. where like you know before everything was settled and stuff like that. It, it, it's stories of the old times, right? Yeah. It's stories to explain the flooding, explain the things like that. You know, it's it's and why it doesn't flood as much or something along those lines. I would love right? to see an anime that that uh, brings these in because there's a lot of anime on the japanese folklore like the giant uh catfish that causes earthquakes and stuff where like they go mm-hmm. out and like encounter things and and that yeah. and and these seem like they're like the american version or the native american version of those and they're awesome i'd like to see them in more um like pop culture and uh stuff like that would be pretty dope there is one thing that i find interesting yeah um coming from someone who has a more or less uh, Western viewpoint of the world. I'd say more, but go on. More, more. <laughs> uh, a lot of our folklore, like, and when I say our folklore, I mean like Americans and Europeans. Mm-hmm. A lot more of it focuses on like death. I found right, okay. and like psychopomps. Psychopomps are a lot more common in our folklore. Mm-hmm. I find, but. I don't know. I I don't know where I'm going with this, but it seems there's a higher emphasis on integration with nature in other folklore. Yeah. Like, Japanese folklore has a higher degree of integration with nature. Um, Native American folklore does as well. Uh, some of the African folklore I've seen has it as well. So it, it's, it's one of those weird things where I feel like our folklore is less ingrained with nature as a whole. 
I um, think that. But then part, again, yeah. I, I I'm probably gonna say what you were about to say. Yeah. It's because I'm familiar with it. It doesn't seem as ingrained in nature. Mm-hmm. But like now that I'm as I'm speaking, I'm thinking of like dryads and I'm thinking of like naiads mm-hmm. and things along those lines, which also kind of had their roots. Mm-hmm. But I I don't know. I feel like since we're English speaking and a lot of English folklore makes its way to us, I feel like I don't know. I feel a little more bored with it. Mm-hmm. I think that a portion of why you see less um, folklore integrated within nature in specifically uh, American European um, mm-hmm. uh, things is Christianity um, because that has a heavy focus on death and very little focus on nature um, with the, with a few exceptions. But a lot you know of it is, is, is dealing with death and to even like say, well, there's, this creature that uh, does this um, to try to explain a natural event, they they would say, well, that's you know, don't you know, you could be accused of like iconography or like, well, that's not really a creature, that's a demon, and that's where mm-hmm. you would also have a lot of people striving for um, uh, transition from life into uh, heaven and stuff like that. And that's where you'll, you'll see more psychopomp uh, type stuff there. In less, uh, like, cool shit. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I will say some of the psychopomps are dope, and that's one of my favorite words. Yeah. <laughs> um, like the notion of of a, a church room is pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, of course, my favorite, the black dog of Bungay and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I think I think your assertion is probably correct. Mm-hmm. Um, because there is the a central theme of christianity is death and rebirth yeah it's natural that uh there's a higher focus on death and rebirth than mm. you know say buddhism which is a cycle of rebirth well i picked literally the worst thing <laughs> I was just gonna say literally that. <laughs> i picked the worst one no I, I i meant um a better example would be like shintoism which yeah. is a, is basically nature worship mm. for all intents and purposes um but anywho so it's interesting that the great Thunderbird is represented as a benevolent ent- entity in these mm-hmm. stories, which is a stark contrast to literally every modern tale of Thunderbird I could find. Yeah. Like, the fact of the matter is, modern Thunderbird stories, the Thunderbird tends to be more aggressive mm-hmm. to human interaction. Um, and I think it's fair to say that the Brulee, Sue, and the uh, four Thunderbird mythology... Mm-hmm is not really a good fit for the modern Thunderbird. Yeah. Because it's it's not only is it not really a physical entity, it's also a benevolent entity. Mm-hmm. So I think of ascribing the notion that these Thunderbirds are living physical creatures mm-hmm. is probably not accurate. Yeah, and I bet if we go deeper into other aspects of Native American folklore, we would see this... Again, because right now we've got at least two examples of what the Native American folklore is with the Thunderbird and the Skinwalker versus the the more modern version, which seems to be very different from uh, what what you'd expect. Yeah, and um, like as I was looking around, I found like a lot of iconography 
mm-hmm. of Thunderbirds, and they tend to use this rough outline for most of the stories. Yeah. Um, it changes a lot depending on your cult, the culture, where they live, the type of house they live in, things mm-hmm. along those lines will change because it's adapted to that particular tribe or that particular nation or mm-hmm. anything along those lines. Which, you know, that's reasonable because at the end of the day, uh, these types of legends and lore and quite frankly, it's it's a religious experience. Mm-hmm. Um, that is exclusive to the people who are practicing it. Yep. And it's their right to modify it as they see fit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also don't think that using this as an example to codify a supposed cryptid is a genuous action. Yeah. Like it, yeah. it's, it's disingenuous. Um, and I've, I've included a picture of some, some of the Thunderbird art that I found in the show, in the, uh, the episode copy, which is available on Patreon. Today's episode is brought to you by squeaky Andy's bio degreaser. Don't you hate it when you leave fingerprints everywhere, especially when doing cleanup, such as dishes. I turn to Squeaky Andy's Biodegreaser. This strong yet gentle surfactant will clean your fingerprints off any surface. Wash your hands with Andy's Industrial Degreaser and you will not leave any hand residue for at least three hours. Use code NOBODYWASEVERHERE, all one word, at checkout and get 15% off. Now back to the show. So we've kind of covered what the brulee believe. Uh-huh. And quite frankly, that's kind of the prototype for a lot of the uh, Thunderbird myths that I saw. I even mm-hmm. found a song uh, about the four sacred Thunderbirds that was done by, like, I, I, I had it. I didn't save it because I couldn't find any more information about them. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want to post information about them without, you know, um, without, like, really committing to it, uh-huh. so to speak, and knowing who they were. Uh, so I, I kind of left it out, so I don't, I don't unfortunately remember who it was. <laughs> um, but I found several cases in which the there was the notion of four sacred thunderbirds. Mm-hmm. Um, however, yes, the same Center for Skeptical Inquiry article pointed me to a book of Yaqui uh, folklore. Now, okay. Um, the Yaqui have their own legend of a giant bird, mm-hmm. um, and they are found in substantial populations in the American Southwest and Northern Mexico. Okay. So think about like, you know, Arizona ish area roughly. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, notably they actually, like I, I looked at the Wikipedia article and they have a yeah. lot of like, you know, noteworthy people who were associated with, uh, the Yaqui nation. Mm-hmm. Um, and notably there is, one particular individual, yeah, uh, Alfonso Bedoya, who is best known uh, for his famous line, Vaches. We ain't got no vaches. We don't need no vaches. I don't have to show you any stinking vaches. I just watched that video clip this morning. Did you really? Yes. Was it? It wasn't the one that I I linked in the. In the uh, Facebook group, was it? Uh, no. Well, you know what? I saw that in the Facebook group, and I was like, oh, what's that from? And that led me to this original. This original one. I was like, yeah. holy crap. Yeah. 
So full disclosure, the main reason I I was so stunned by that uh-huh. is because um that line is parodied in one of my favorite movies of all time, uh-huh. which is also one of the best movies of all time. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> UHF, the yeah. uh, film starring Weird Al Yankovic. Uh-huh. Um, the scene in question happens when Raul of Raul's Wild Kingdom uh, is receiving a shipment of animals from his apartment-based wildlife show, and badgers happen to be included in the shipment. And the parody is so good. Badgers? Badgers? We don't need no stinking badgers! Of that scene, I just... Every time... like I, I will legitimately think about badgers, badgers, we don't need no stinking badgers. Nearly every day of my life. I don't know why I'm surprised. Actually, no, I am surprised that you haven't brought up UHF sooner. <laughs> I am too but here's the thing uh, this is organic this isn't yeah. even like uh, this isn't even like I went out of my way to find uh, it uh, I was literally looking up the uh, key to figure out where they lived yeah so I could like contextualize what the, the myth I was about to tell you uh huh and I found that and I'm just like no freaking way <laughs> oh um, man so yeah, uh, the Yaki have a legend mm-hmm. about the great bird, right? So, um, this is this is kind of like the the intro to the story. Mm-hmm. Um, a great bird lived on the top of a hill of Otamkawi. Every morning, he would fly out in search of food. He caught men women, and little children, and carried them back to a Tom Kawi to eat. In those days, the people are always watchful. They couldn't have fiestas, because then, when they had pescolas, always two or three of the people were carried away by that big bird. The Akis lived in hookies, little houses made of mud and branches that looked like the house of a pack rat, because they were afraid of the great bird. Okay, so this is very... Th- this diverges... From the Sioux version of yes. the Thunderbird tale, a Whoa. bunch. This is this, this. I would I would categorize this as not a protector. Correct, and it's not a Thunderbird either. Okay. I wanna I wanna be extremely clear. Yeah. It's not a Thunderbird. Okay. Why I'm reading this story, we'll get to. Oh. <laughs> um, so this is not a Thunderbird. This is a distinct entity. Hmm. Um. Because it doesn't exhibit any of the traits of a Thunderbird, and it's not referred to by word, like, it's never referred to as the Thunderbird, only gotcha. the Great Bird. Okay. And once you read it, you realize that it's not the story of a Thunderbird, but something else. And we'll get into that. Uh, okay. So, this bird resembles the modern Thunderbird, though. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's kidnapping individuals. Yeah. Right? Although in this case it's also kidnapping adults, which is a little more questionable considering, you know, a healthy adult might weigh, you know, almost two hundred pounds. And a healthy adult male. If they almost have, if they, 200 pounds? I'm saying two hundred pounds <laughs> for someone who's in shape and healthy. Okay. You know, it, okay. It, it, that's I think a I reasonable it. estimate. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it, it should be noted that this bird is strong and it's up its updraft is way greater than something that like a bird that is like has a wingspan of twenty feet mm-hmm. could ever remotely match. I've been under two hundred pounds since like middle high school. I was actually under 200 pounds uh, earlier this year. Were you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shit, and right then on. I, then, I, then I rebounded because that's the way life works. Yeah. So, getting old sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, based on the legend, even just this little bit that I read to you, it's a lot more antagonistic to the Aki people. Um, the story is extremely long. Mm-hmm. And by extremely long, I mean it's like fifteen pages. Woo, so it's extremely doggy. it's it's stream, extremely long for the context of this podcast. Yeah. So I'm gonna give you guys an abridged version. Still, it's not short mm-hmm. because it's it's there's a lot of context, and I don't really want to skimp on the context because there's a few key details, and you kind of need to see the whole story to understand what I'm trying to what I'm laying down. Um, but the version of the legend that i'm going to be telling comes from yaki myths and legends as collected by ruth warner giddings okay um and actually in the the show notes there's a picture from it by laurie cook um which shows a depiction of the great bird oh okay yeah um so the story goes as follows an old deer hunter had a daughter who gave birth to a son This son would grow up, losing all but his grandfather to the great bird. This fostered resentment in the the boy towards the great bird, (laughs) as it should. Um, Yeah, yeah, fair reaction. Yeah, as the boy grew, he swore he would kill the great bird. At age 14, the boy, clocking in at three and a half feet tall, (laughs) that is explicitly pointed out in the story. So we're dealing with Danny... Yes, we're dealing with a Danny DeVito boy. At first, I was like, okay, here's the call to action. Now we're going to go on the hero's journey. And now, <laughs> I'm not thinking it's going to end well for this boy. Yeah, um, they actually note the fact that he's small a lot in the story. It's, like, really, really belabored almost. Yeah. Um, at 14, he decided he would finally take down the bird. It took him three days to locate the bird. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is his first encounter with a bird. Then he saw the bird. Quickly, he jumped into a hole. The bird bird sat down in a mesquite tree, waiting for him to come out of the hole. The boy stayed in there all day long, watching the big bird in the mesquite tree. He saw everything. The size, the colors of the feather, the big eyes, and all. At night, he went further back into the hole and fell asleep. Late at that night, he awoke. The bird had gone with the coming of night. Scarred so, in the smoke flavors. The mesquite, that, that mesquite barbecue? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, once you get that that mesquite, there's nothing you can do, you can't <laughs> do. Once you get the mesquite, you can't mesquite, quit, quit. I don't know. That, yeah, I, what? Like, <laughs> I was trying to rhyme mesquite and quit, but they uh, don't. They don't really rhyme. Nope. Like silver and anything. Well, a pilfer. I thought it was silver, or maybe it was well, orange was one of them. No, it rhymes with gorange, which is a hat maker in England. Uh, okay. Specifically for school uniforms. 
All right. Well, <laughs> anywho, um, the boy will return home to get a bow made of kunwo and arrows made of woibaka. Okay. I think that's right, but who knows? I'll buy it. If I get, if I get it wrong, please tell me. <laughs> <laughs> no angry tweets, just corrective tweets, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, to kill the bird. When talking with his grandfather, he asserted he would not only kill the bird, but make a lot of little animals out of that bird. I don't know what that means. Well, I didn't know what it meant either. But it turns out this is a creation myth. Uh... And it's like four pages into the myth that you realize it's a creation myth. Yeah. So um, I'm going to read verbatim what happens after he kills the bird. Okay. Um, he pulled out a handful of its feathers and threw them into the air, and the feathers became owls. With another handful of feathers, he made smaller owls. With four handfuls of feathers, he made four classes of owls. In the same way, with other handfuls of feathers, he made birds of every kind, crows, and roadrunners. He threw the feathers, and they became birds of different color. When he had finished all the feathers, he cut out a piece of meat from the dead bird. He threw this, and it became a mountain lion. He fucked up on that one. Well, yeah. You know, sometimes it happens. That's just that's how it goes. Um, but, you know, he's making animals, so yeah, that's what he's doing. Uh, he cut out another piece and made another kind of lion, which is a little braver. Another mistake. Uh, yeah, all the meat. all the <laughs> He made a lot of meat-based mistakes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He probably should have just smoked it on that mesquite tree. Yeah. Uh, with another, he made the topole. And with another, a spotted cat. Thus, the boy made four classes of big cats. After that, he made four smaller kinds of cats. That was correct. Yep. With more with more meat, the boy made foxes and raccoons, and also four types of coyotes. He made snakes and all kinds of animals that have claws. When all the meat was gone, only bones remained. He dragged the bones under the mesquite tree and started home. After he arrived there in two days, he came to a very happily dressed suit. Ah. He arrived there in two days. He came in very happily, dressed in the suit of feathers he had made from the bird. That wore... is the most badass thing you could do. Yeah, it's it's a move. That's it's a, a play. power move. It yeah, man. Definitely a power play. Oh man. Yeah, it's yeah. It's kind of badass. It's I'm not very badass. Uh he wore four feathers in his hat, two on either side. He dapper his, as shit. All right, he continue. is super dapper. Yeah. Super dapper, I assume. Yeah. Like, dude sounds like, like, I wouldn't mess with this guy. No. Because he killed, like, this monster bird. So he's clearly competent. Yeah, and he's wearing it, but as a suit and a hat with feathers. I'm used yeah. to seeing the feather in the cap. You get four, you know, don't mess with that guy. Yeah. It's vicious. Yeah. Although to be fair, it did kill all of his family, so Yeah. Yeah, it's it's justified. Um he entered and his grandfather was frightened to see him covered with blood from the meat of the animal. The old man was afraid. He said, What happened to you? I killed the big bird. Now you may walk about the world. <laughs> was that the end? Uh that, it just ended with him just like I killed it. That wasn't the end. There's he, a little bit more. Maybe just John Wick. 
He kind of John. He kind of John Wick the bird. Uh, there was a very large pencil that he just kind of. Oh man. Yeah. Spoilers for John Wick, although not really, because they talk about it a lot. Yeah, it's super cool. Yeah, it's, it's so it's a... cool. In the movie, they're like in the in the sequel, the the bad guys are like. Did you hear what he did with the pencil? <laughs> yeah, it's it's phenomenal. Yeah. Um. So the tonal shift in this story is extremely stark, though. Yeah. Because it goes from a man-eating bird to literally the creation of all the common animals that the Aki would see. Yeah. This is not like the creation point of the world, but it's mm-hmm. an explanation for where all the animals came from. Mm-hmm. right so this is more akin to like a noah's ark type story yeah almost not quite the same but it fits the same general sense of like this and that mm-hmm. um i follow maybe, you i know what you're getting maybe, it also has a little bit of hints of like that uh the garden of eden to it as well and mm-hmm. things along those lines so i mean and i'm saying that trying to contextualize it in the mm-hmm. frame that i understand yeah. I'm not saying that it's one-to-one-ness, but I'm framing it in a way that my brain can comprehend it. Uh, might not be accurate, mm-hmm. but that is the nature of the lens that I have. So, I have a question. Yeah. What the fuck did he make spiders out of feathers? What? Given it, this he... creation story, he would have had to have dis- someone decided to make spiders. Yeah. I don't think he decided to make them in this story, but yeah. Like, he didn't literally say, and then he threw feathers and made spiders. But it implies that's the, that's this is the, the, the origin of, of the animals. It does. I it mean, implies someone decided to make spiders. It does have a slight implication that someone decided to make spiders. Which, in uh, the American Southwest, that's wild. Considering that's like the home of the Black Widow spider that murders humans yeah but then again he also created a lot of things that murder humans yeah i would have replaced all of that with just kitties not big kitties normal kitties the world is filled with cats they're all assholes but they're cute yeah yeah like it's there's only yeah it's just cats that's the only animal that's really that's it it's house cats (laughs) that'd be such a weird world it'd be a pretty good world it would be a pretty good world, but it would be just filled with a bunch of lazy assholes. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> but now let's get to the reason why I told this story. Okay. It's not because it's a Thunderbird. It's clearly not a Thunderbird. Because in the story, the, the term Thunderbird is never used. Yeah, they, they, it never comes up once. Yeah. I would never use this as exist- proof of the existence of a Thunderbird because uh-huh. it's clearly contextually a creation myth. Yeah. Right? And a lot of creation myths are not intended to be taken literally despite the fact that people – or at least I should say that Western civilization does have a tendency to take things literally. You don't say – yeah. Um and I don't think that the Native American culture takes things literally in the same way. 
because they do have a heavy emphasis on metaphoric language and things of that nature. Yeah. Um, and in the same way, I don't think that like the Nepalese culture takes it takes things literally in the same way because Yeti's kind of like like for example, I read that like Yeti is effectively a catch-all term for them. Okay. So it, it, it's one of those things where it's like we as outsiders think that they literally they take things literally, but it's my Yeti mug. It's Your a Yeti lit- mug. Yeah. Yeah, that's literally a Yeti mug. Yep. But it's figuratively a Yeti in my mind. It's a literal Yeti. You're not wrong. Yeti. Keeps shit hotter than you need it to be and or colder. Yeah. Oh, God. You put an actual Yeti on top of it. That's good. <laughs> There's some good visual humor happening, people. I will admit. Um, unfortunately visual humor does not translate to a podcast what unless we start doing like an mp4 based podcast then that that's just a large file size no one wants yeah that. a large just the audio is a large file size yeah but we we can compress it down with yeah. lossy compression and stuff like that so yeah it's fine everyone's hearing the compressed version <laughs> yes that's a fact because yeah. the uncompressed version would be at least a gigabyte I think just the raw what what uh, just the raw tracks are uh, yeah just the last episode my track alone is one point seven oh no that's in kilobytes so that's one it's one point six four yeah roughly. yeah yeah so anywho now yeah yeah it, it's big they get but big yeah here's the thing wait how many I, kilobyte is it a thousand or- it's 1020. It depends. It depends. So sometimes it's 1024. Sometimes it's a thousand. Um, the thousand I think is Kibby bytes. Yeah. And uh, 1024 is kilobytes. But I, yeah. I I might have that backwards. Cause cause my so. my raw audio tracks are like 1.7 million kilobytes. Yeah. It, because uh oh yeah Kibby bytes are 10 no. Kilobytes are 1024, and kibibytes are... Are a flat thousand. Are, I think, a flat thousand. I might have gotten that backwards. No, I got it backwards. Uh, 1024 is a kibby, and kilo is a thousand flat. Mm -hmm. So what you're actually seeing is gibibytes, not gigabytes. So this has been been John talking about data formats (laughs) and data storage. Um, Tune in next week for me to talk about uh some some raid configurations who knows maybe you might learn something i don't know i'm not probably going to talk about it because i'll forget about it in two weeks i have a raid card that i'm not using that's (laughs) fine (laughs) uh for most people they don't need raid but that's beside the point um anywho like i said i wouldn't use this as evidence for the existence of thunderbird and i especially wouldn't use it or evidence of the existence of a pterosaur. Oh no! I have found yet another person in the pterosaurs are still alive <laughs> camp. <laughs> so, when I was looking up whether or not people actually use this as a like a reference for the Thunderbird, uh huh, I found an article by Bill Jensen. Uh huh. He is a creationist, a young Earth creationist. Ooh, who would have guessed? 
I'm not going to rant about how I really don't believe modern pterosaurs exist. There's an hour of content about that on episode 16 of this very podcast. (laughs) However, however, take umbrage to the fact that he has used this story as evidence for his belief. He literally stole from a different religion. To prove his religion. To prove yeah. his religion. Yes, he did. Yeah. He literally did yeah. that. Um, because he removes the context of the story and appropriated Yuki culture to basically further his misguided attempt to prove that Genesis is historical fact. Because, as I said on episode 16, uh-huh. the existence of a pterosaur doesn't mean that evolution didn't happen. It just means a pterosaur exists still. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... There's a little bit of there's a snippet at the end of the uh the story that he kind of ignores and glazed over and I didn't mention yet. Uh-huh. Along the road, the people saw many animals and little, bir- little birds flying. The boy talked to the people saying, "These little birds don't do harm to us, but those animals I made from the meat of the big bird, you must take care about those. From today on, they are not going to be gentle. We no longer have danger from above." Now he must take care from below. So this reaffirms my assertion that someone decided to make spiders. Because yep. the cute little, like, the, 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 the non-harmful creatures were already extant. And all the harmful creatures came from this great bird that was killed. Which, yep. in my opinion, would include some species of spider. Correct. Okay. Most likely. Okay. Um, <laughs> it also, yeah, it, this literally is about how predators came into existence. Yeah. That is what this this is a creation story for. Because um, he goes on to say, these animals aren't much good for food, only for clothing. The birds are valuable only for their pretty feathers. Meaning, literally, hey, there was one predator, and then I made it into a bunch of little manageable predators. Yeah. That is literally what this story is about. It's about uh, how the coyote came into existence. It's about how the wolf, how the mountain lion, all these things came into existence. Creatures that the Yaki would see in their day-to-day lives that mm-hmm. would be legitimate threats to them. Yes. It's it's an explan- It's a way to explain the world around you. Uh-huh. Bill Johnson, however, yeah. his article strips away this context. In summary, is like literally misses the whole point. Um... The Aki Indians spoke of a giant bird that lived on the hill of Otankawi. Every morning, it would fly out to capture its human prey. After many deaths, a young boy who lost his family to this bird killed the creature with a bow and arrows. Mm -hmm. So that's a two-sentence summary of the story. Yeah. But it misses the whole point of the story. That's right. The bird made spiders. The bird made spiders. And... The fact of the matter is, he could have added another sentence, or he could have modified it to be, the Aki Indians had a myth about a giant bird living on the hill of Otonkawi. Every morning, it would kill humans, and eventually, a boy who lost his family to it would then kill the bird. Using the bird, he then created all the predators. Which is a key point. 
because the first the first two sentences are literally the setting. Yeah. And then the climax is the boy killing the bird. Uh-huh. And all the important epilogue stuff, which is honestly probably more important than the climax <laughs> itself, is gone. Uh-huh. So um I definitely left too much in when I told this story. <laughs> but like I said before, that has no context whatsoever about the story and totally misses the point. Mm-hmm. It's like actually believing that an indecent proposal is about eating babies and not satire. What's an indecent proposal? Oh, you've never heard of an indecent proposal? I've never heard of that. So back when I was in high school, we yeah. were covering satire and I wasn't really paying attention yeah. in the class. And then we had to read a satire piece. Uh-huh. And the piece was about eating children, Irish children, during a famine. Oh, okay. They were Irish. All right. Uh, be, yeah. Because it was <laughs> it was a scathing satire of, like, the lack of caring about the Irish, basically. Yeah. Um, I misinterpreted that in high school because I have oh. very poor satire defenses uh-huh. as being literal. <laughs> You're like, wow, this is fucked up. Yeah, I, re- I, had to, I had to write a response to it, and my response took it literally. <gasps> That's so good! But, you wrote a literal response to a satire. That's yeah. so good. But you know what? Here's did, the thing. Did the te- who, 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 wait, what grade was this? High school? It was high school. It Ten? Was, nine? Uh, I'm trying ten. to guess who the teacher was. It was, it was, it was Reader. Did he love it? I feel I, like he would have loved that. I think he did, and honestly, <laughs> honestly, yeah. it was such a good teaching moment. Yeah. Because now I am so much more on alert for satire. <laughs> because I realized, oh, I learned more from not understanding that it was satire than actually if I had understood it was satire and read it. Yeah. Like, not even joking. Listen, yeah. uh, on the path to... to getting better you do some dumb stuff yeah and the key is just get better from it (laughs) oh Um, boy but like listening to lame deer talk about his myth and listening to this myth the the language is so figurative right it's never an absolute Mm -hmm. and i feel like bill johnston treats everything as an absolute and i read his article yes I don't recommend reading the article because it's bad. Uh-huh. And it 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 uses the term Indian a lot. Okay. But not like American Indian or contextualized in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. It was written in 2002, so he should have known better. Yeah. Uh, and I always – I kind of felt really gross reading it, and I don't know – I don't know. I Once again, I'm an outsider, so I don't know if that's I, – I just – as far as I know, that's not a generally accepted term. I know I've seen, like, American Indian on certain, like, tribe websites. And oh, that's yeah. that's still better than just straight-up Indian. But uh-huh. I digress. So, from his article, I learned a few other common claims used by young Earth creationists to cite the evidence of the Thunderbird as a physical ah, creature. Okay. Um, The most egregious claim that I found... Uh-huh. In it, 
and this is the one I'm going to mainly focus on because I could go through a whole thing and that would be its mm-hmm. own episode was just debunking his article. Um, <laughs> so there's a pictograph in Black Dragon Canyon, Utah. Okay. Um, in the the episode copy, and I've, I've linked an article about it, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it does look admittedly like a pterosaur. Okay. Um, but if you actually like read about it at all, Mm-hmm. It's super pareidolia. Um, okay. Because in the late 1940s, a man named John Simonson yes. had chalked the outline of a, paris- a pterosaur onto an ochre cave painting. That, I don't feel like you should do that. that... It's, it's super illegal now. Yeah. It's super vandalism, too. There's been a uh, lot of... Um... Irreparable, yeah. da- irreparable damage done by people doing s- this and similar things to uh, to cave uh, artwork all yeah. over the world. It's a super big problem. Yeah, a super big problem because people are assholes. Yeah, like li- like just just don't. It's just dist- <laughs> like there's been a lot of like destruction to stuff like this that can't be fixed. Yeah, just, um... Don't. Don't. Yeah. As a rule, don't. Yeah. Um, so, recently, however, and I found this study, uh-huh. uh, Jean Lequel, Paul Bon, and Marvin Rowe performed a study called The Death of a Pterodactyl, and they used a portable x-ray fluorescent machine to reveal uh-huh. that the original reveal the original painting uh, prior to over a thousand years of erosion had been a humanoid figure. And I've included <sighs> a picture of their reconstruction uh, in the notes. And it, I have a link to an article, which will be in the, the episode copy um, or the episode show notes when we upload this. Um, oh, it's a humanoid figure. I'm who's doing the AB comparison. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Um, I will give jo- Bill Johnson credit. He did publish his article in 2002. However, it took me three seconds to find the article when searching for Yaki Thunderbird. Um, and I'm sure someone who is inclined to believe it would find this and latch onto it. Yeah. Um, he also has an assertion that the way he asserts it and uses it to reference, um, is... The Indians of the Swell apparently saw a bird-like creature with enormous wings, a tail, a long neck, and beak in a vertical head crest, which some flying reptiles sported. That's ridiculous. And the reason that's ridiculous is because I can guarantee Gary Gygax never saw a beholder. (laughs) I can also guarantee, unfortunately, a race of robots from Cybertron never existed. Yeah. There's a thing called imagination that Bill Johnston seems to not comprehend. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything more about that article. I was just really frustrated. And there's like this weird sense of appropriation that happens in both Christ- uh, cryptozoology and young earth creationism. Yeah. Where they take other people's culture and they use it to mold to their own 
belief, like I talked yeah. about last episode. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, I don't want to belabor that point too much. Um, because once again, I am an outsider. Yeah. This is not my culture. <laughs> if someone came up to me tomorrow and said, "Well, it's not that big of a deal," or yada yada yada, I would amend my my thoughts if they were from that culture, right? Um, but as I comprehend it, the Thunderbird of Native American lore is largely a spiritual being. Yeah. And attribution of large birds to it, which may exist, is basically reading comprehension failure. Yeah. At its core. Now, like I said, giant birds might exist. Tomorrow, if you showed me a bird that was had a wingspan of 20 feet and had a type specimen, great. That's not the Thunderbird, probably. Uh-huh. I, and if you name it the Thunderbird, fine. You've named the creature. But to call it, to say that the Native Americans have been seeing this creature is kind of in a, I don't know. It just, it feels weird. It, it's kind of mm. that same icky feeling I got for Skimrocker Ranch. Yeah. Right? Like, and it, it's not, I, I can't be really offended by it because it's not my culture. But I feel icky about it. Yeah. You know, like mm. I just feel icky about it. It's just weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, I could go on. I could find way more examples of Thunderbird myth and things yeah. along those lines. But I mean, I think for the most part, this is the general gist I got. Right. Uh huh. Maybe in the future we can cover another one, but it, it had to be significantly different enough that it justifies its own episode, in my opinion. Uh huh. So. But that's what I got on the Thunderbird. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right on. But I do have a bonus for this week. Ooh, yes. So I may have found myself in cryptid form. Ooh, okay. Um, I found... I was doing research, and I was trying to find something to do an episode on. Mm-hmm. And I found out about the Getsko, or... Polish wild man. <laughs> uh, it's encrypted uh. from the 19th century, which strangely, every case that I found discussing it, mm-hmm. use X-I-X-T-H to use 19th, which is like, why not just use 19th? Yeah, I've never seen X-I-X-T. Actually, I've only ever seen the like Arabic numeral T-H. Yeah, it's ever. weird. It's very strange, but there is literally no way to make a full episode about this. Yeah. So I'm just going to read off the cryptids wiki entry. Okay. It's kind of golden. Uh-huh. So the Getsko was born in Kingston, New York. Pause. Yeah. Is this you modifying the article to fit you or does it just, does it say that? No, that's me modifying the article. I'll actually read the real article. Okay, because <laughs> for a second I was like, hold up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the biology of the Getsko, mm-hmm. according to the Cryptids Wiki, mm-hmm. is the creature stood two and a half meters tall, was incredibly hairy, excluding its face with an apostrophe. Uh, it was capable of human-like movement and was making strange horse-like sounds. According to some people... It could even run sideways. 
I appreciate the wrong yeah. it's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Uh, it doesn't sound all that impressive to me. I mean, it's like seven feet tall, but... Okay. Um, I picture it running sideways like the um, like in Mech Assault, the video game, where if you try to run sideways, like the legs would turn sideways and the torso would stay pointing the original direction because the torso and the legs had two different thumbstick controls. I want to play Mech Assault so bad. <laughs> so bad. I missed that game so much. It was so good. Uh-huh. Uh, Lone Wolf was so great too, but no one played it because by that time people were dumb with Mech Assault and they were playing Halo 2. Yeah. Um, but, uh, oh, man, Lone Wolf was so good because you could get into, you could eject from your mech, yeah. which is a huge thing in the Battletech is universe. Lone Wolf, is Lone Wolf the one where you could get like the, an actual battle station or people were building battle stations for like foot controls and shit like that? Or am no, I thinking of a different one? You're thinking of uh, Steel Battalion. Yes, okay. That's also a great game. Yeah. Uh, but in Lone Wolf, you could literally pop out of your suit into, like, a quasi-elemental armor. Yeah. Um, and you could literally hijack other people's mechs. That's awesome. It was so cool, and nobody liked it. Duh. It was so hard for me to get people to play with me. Although I feel the same way about Brink. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brink was a cool idea. Yeah, it's just it was the one of those. Execution wasn't there, but the, yeah, uh, it was a great idea. It was a really good idea, but um, yeah, man, now I'm getting sad thinking about video games that are gone. <laughs> Shadowrun was good too. I don't know that I ever played Shadowrun. Sh funny story, Shadowrun was the mm -hmm. first M-rated game I ever bought for myself. Really? Yep. Shoot. Yeah, it was the very first M-rated game I ever purchased for myself. It was basically Magic called. It was basically Magic Counter Strike. Dope. That's pretty yeah, awesome. It was very fun. It was on the Xbox 360. Yeah. Anywho, there's a little bit more to this story. Uh -huh. So the stories and relations about the creature are very scarce, hence why it's not going to be a full episode. Uh, the first one being about a Cossack going into the woods to kill the alleged hominid only to return with his headless body still on the horse. What? Much to the horror of the villagers. That's awesome. Uh, the neck was examined, and it was clear that the head was ripped off, not cut. Brutal. The second story is somehow more bizarre. Um, a lost boy, a, a boy, the way that, the, let me just tell you, the Cryptids Wiki has the greatest authors ever. <laughs> I believe um, it. A boy that during a large storm got lost in the woods on Getsko's territory and was held captive by the creature until the storm passed over. Then he ran into the village back. We ran into his village back and told everything. <laughs> I, I don't think the person who wrote this was a native English speaker, um, which is okay. But if they are a native English speaker, maybe throw it through like a grammar checker. Yeah. Um, or read it out loud. That usually helps me when I'm writing copy. Uh, so, the Cryptids Wiki has some interesting explanations for it. Oh, I bet. Seeing how the Getsko was an allegedly two and a half meter tall ape, the perfect fit would be the infamous 
Gigantopolithicus, which somehow survived extinction and used to live in the Polish regions. Excluding size, however, Getzko could have just as well been a gorilla which escaped from a circus. <laughs> uh, which actually is not a thing either, I don't think. I don't recall any circus gorillas. Well, the problem is... Um, I think gorillas were discovered in the 21st century. The 20th century. Ah, uh, okay. Um, 1902. Oh, okay. So, uh, actually, Cryptids Wiki, that would not be possible. Because the, the gorilla was first discovered in 1902. So, uh... But I also don't think it's a Gigantopolithicus. It might just be people messing with people. It very well may be. Uh, but, alas, the world will never know. Because uh-huh. I couldn't find any more information on it whatsoever. Uh-huh. So, hey, that's a thing, apparently. <laughs> uh, also, I kind of wanted to do it because I thought it was funny because it was a Polish wildman. <laughs> um, and... His, and you're a his, Polish wildman. I'm I'm something. For sure. We got them dense bones. Them dense uh, dense bones. <laughs> but yeah, uh a little bit a little bit shorter than last week's. But um I think that's all I got for this episode of Crypto. Okay. So <coughs> as always, um if you want to get in contact with us, we have a lot of contact links on cryptopediacast.com. Uh, we've got an Instagram, which is uh, at CryptopediaCast, and we should up. We generally upload a picture for each episode, um, and a little bit of a advertisement and stuff like that. Uh, we got a Twitter where the episodes get posted to automatically every week when we post the episode. Is that automated? Yeah, that's automated. Ooh, nice. Yeah, it's super useful. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, you can email us at CryptopediaCast at gmail.com or us. At um we also have a facebook group which um has been popping off a little bit mainly because i brandon and i post a lot of stuff in there yeah it's good um and we've actually been getting a fair amount of members i think we're at last count up to like i think 12 something like that i think so yeah um so yeah if you uh if you want to weigh in on episodes discuss them talk about stuff make jokes post things that you find interesting feel free to post them there um if you enjoy the episode uh be sure to rate review subscribe all that good stuff because you know it i don't know if it actually helps with the algorithms but it can't hurt Uh, and if you enjoy it and you know someone who might like the episodes be sure to share it i know we're not probably everyone's cup of tea we do tend to narrow cast a lot on accident (laughs) Uh, but hey that's the way it is um if you have any monster requests be sure to send them to us um it's sometimes hard to find a good monster or cryptid uh we got lucky and found two in a row that were two-parters yeah it was nice they were a little bit more to handle than we could in a single episode um we also have a patreon um which is cool 
and you can find it by the dollar sign near the, the Sasquatch on our website. I think I also started posting it in the show notes. If I didn't, I will. Oh, <laughs> that's I think a good I, idea. I think I started. I forgot yeah. to do it for a little while, but then I, mm. I changed my mind. It happens. Um, but we've got three tiers on there. Um, yes. And if you're interested in them, you can always check them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get bonus content at the $2 Hodag tier and the $5 uh, Jackalope tier with the Hodag yeah. is getting all the... Uh, um, the episode write-ups yeah the episode yeah. copy and then the jackalope getting episode copy as well as any bonus content we're producing yes which yeah um last week we should have released the latest episode of lover's lane we're we're recording this in the past so who knows <laughs> uh i think i remembered to do it i assume uh i think yeah it was a it was supposed to be a what valentine special i think so I mean, it's not a Valentine's special, but it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, it is. I, I got to listen to it still. I, I'm you very haven't... lax. Oh, boy. I'm in for a ride, I feel. I'm very excited, though. <laughs> Apt language. <sighs> oh, no. No, no, no. I know what the title is. <laughs> But if I know what the title is, that's dangerous. Yes. That's not a good thing to do. <laughs> How long is this episode? Uh-oh. I started it, but <laughs> we won't, I, won't, I won't listen to it because it's three minutes long. Um, at least three minutes long. I don't know. So, uh, yeah, you got anything else to add to that? I probably forgot something. Uh, let's guess. Uh, you'll do creepy pasta, encrypted pasta. I have the relationship advice show, uh, mm-hmm. Lovers Lane that we just talked about. I think that just about covers it. Oh, we yes. are planning on posting some uh, video content in the near future. Yes. We're still working out some of the specifics. Uh, mm-hmm. we've Brandon's thrown together a few spec episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably gonna throw together a spec episode or two, and then I think we we should. We're going to probably talk about it a little bit and then figure out our release schedule and the types mm-hmm. of things we're going to do. Um, yes. But expect some content on the Patreon for first, uh, where you get to see some video content, some interesting stuff uh, mm-hmm. that we want to uh, try out to kind of get more exposure on YouTube as a platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it will always go to you, the patrons, first. Yeah. Um, just as a. Hey, thanks for uh, supporting us. Yes. If you are interested, you could find me on Instagram at donkey underscore hands. My website is boyerb.com. My email is brandon, B-R-A-N-D-O-N, at cryptopediacast.com. My Twitter is at cryptobrandon, capital C, capital B. And uh, I guess Bandcamp uh donkeyhands.bandcamp.com slash releases or on the bottom of our website yeah i think i'll for a couple episodes i'll probably add them in the show notes as well okay um because it's a good song i like it ah muchas gracias it's very fun uh, uh, it was a, fun doing what is it it's it's skeptic so, skeptic s- jam it, it's what do we call psych-ish. it uh, the, the album is logic because they make you like name an album title before you upload yeah. and then the song is psychish it's about what? uh james randy 
I think I think I made a joke about what the what the genre should be, or one of us made a joke. We made a few jokes, I think, in the Facebook group. Yeah. Oh no, there were jokes. There were some good jokes. I liked them. <laughs> we got there was some good there were some good juices flowing about it, but it is good. You can give it a listen. Um, if you want to get in contact with me, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at u twenty two seven, on Twitter at jf dunham. Website still defunct. There was cool stuff on that website, but it was it was showing its age. I, I rolled all the code myself, mm-hmm. and I hadn't updated it in three four years now. So shoot, hey, uh, it was time to go. Anywho, <laughs> oh no, it's coming back. The yawns, the yawns. We gotta move before I die. <laughs> uh, if you want to email me. It's john at cryptopediacast.com. Our art was done by Tom Hill. You could find him on Instagram at Thomas Michael Hill. His website is greatergloryco.com and his email is tommikehill at gmail.com. All right. I think that's about it for this episode. So, yep. as always, I'm John. I'm Brandon. Things are going to get weird. <laughs> The following is an excerpt from Our Four Sacred Thunderbirds by Whitehawk and Crow. Thunderbirds, make it rain, he'll know, hey, hey.